1: Well, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 11. We're going to start there this morning. This is going to be entitled Understanding the Gifts and Call of God, part 4. On part 4 already. Several more parts to go. I don't know how many we're going to go, but we're we're just just getting into the good stuff. It's going to be great. Amen. Amen. If y'all will, let's just pray. Father, I come to you in faith. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just honor you, we love you, we respect you, and we respect your word. Father, I ask for the Holy Ghost to move in this place and touch people's hearts this morning. Bring us revelation. Teach us, encourage us, strengthen us, build us up. Lord, we we declare you're the Lord over this service. We give you permission. We give you permission to move. We make room for the things that you've said, as you've said that when we come together, One sing, one teach, one give a special revelation, one speak in tongues, another interpret. We give room to those things, Father, because you put them in your word. They're not suggestional. They are instructions to New Testament worship. And we praise you, Father. We don't pick some of it and throw some of it out. Lord, we walk according to your word. And I thank you, Lord, that today everybody that came is blessed by your word. Just as word, the Bible says that you sent forth your word and healed them, I pray that today anybody in this room that will release faith by the preaching and speaking of your word, they'll receive healing in their physical body in the mighty name of Jesus. Even those watching online that don't live in the vicinity to come to this physical location, that you would send forth your word and touch them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we claim, Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, that we... Are those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night shall be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Father, I thank you for the Christians that came this morning that have devoted themselves to this time, to this time of worship, to your word, to fellowshipping together. I decree that you're not a man that you should lie and your word never returns void, that they will prosper. Say prosper. Prosper. In everything that they do, they will never run dry, they'll never just grow weary, they'll never have mountaintops and valleys, only strength to strength and glory to glory. Father, I thank you that the way of the righteous is like the first light of day, shining brighter and brighter until the full light of day, the Bible says. We're going brighter and brighter. Prosperity for these people coming through the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 through 11. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Say each of us. If you are a believer, you have a gift that's been given to you. Some of you may know that. Some of you may not know that. So hopefully... Uh, through this series and you've been plugging into this teaching, if you don't know what your gift is and the grace, the favor, the ability that the Holy Ghost has given to you at salvation, uh, that that you would understand it and get revelation of that. So it says a gift is given to each of us so we can help help each other. Verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another, someone else, The one spirit gives the gift of healing. If you have your highlighter, highlight all of these in your Bible. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another person is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So, who decides your gift? The Holy Holy Ghost. How does He decide your gift? Well, it depends on the administration, the appointment of Jesus Christ, what you're called to do, where you're called to do it, what platform you're called to. The Holy Ghost comes alongside that appointment and he gives you grace. He gives you abilities. He gives you favor. He gives you supernatural gifts or manifestations that help you carry out the administration that was given unto you, purpose by the Father. Uh, Let's read that same passage in the New King James. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit, and I want you guys to understand this too. I like that word, the manifestation of the Spirit. Do you know that Paul uses the word gifts to really help us understand, uh, you know, in our human way of thinking, but the Holy Ghost doesn't just give us gifts. The Bible says that he is the gift. Jesus said that if your heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts, how much more will he give The Holy Ghost or the gift to those that ask him. Say the gift. gift. So the gift is the Holy Ghost. And that's why I like the word manifestation here is because when you receive the Holy Ghost, you actually receive all nine gifts of the spirit. You receive capacity to function and flow in all of the gifts. And then what you actually flow in is just the manifestation of the Spirit in a specific area. Again, pertaining to your administration or your calling from the Lord. Amen. So it says, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Say wisdom. Through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So in this uh, a little section here this passage first corinthians 12 this is what's known as the nine gifts of the spirit so if you are taking notes write that down the nine gifts of the spirit if you ever read a book called the nine gifts of the spirit or hear another teaching about the nine gifts of the spirit it's talking about the nine different gifts that are specifically mentioned in this passage Uh, I will tell you that I actually believe that there are at least 14 to 19 gifts specifically mentioned in the New Testament. There's more than nine gifts. We're going to cover the gifts also mentioned in Romans chapter 12 that I believe are equal gifts and manifestations of the Holy Ghost. There's several reasons why I believe that. But we're going to just start by dissecting these first nine gifts of the Spirit. And so these gifts can be broken into three different categories. If you were here Sunday night, we started this. These three categories are number one, the revelation gifts or inspiration gifts. If you're taking notes, write that down. The revelation gifts or inspiration gifts. This category consists of three of of those nine gifts. Those three gifts are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. If you were here Sunday night, we broke down each one. Or It was Wednesday, wasn't it? Not Sunday night. Wednesday. We broke down each one of those gifts. If you weren't here, go back and catch up on that. Uh, it was really good. So number two, the second category is the vocal gifts. This is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of Tongues. And then thirdly, the third category is you have the power gifts. Say power gifts. gifts. Write down these three gifts. It's the gift of healing, the gift of faith, and the working of miracles. The gift of healing, the gift of faith, the working of miracles. This morning, we're going to break down all three of the power gifts. Tonight, we're going to break down all three of the vocal gifts. So you don't want to miss either one of these these, uh, services here. So today, the power gifts. Write that down, the power gifts. We're going to start with number one, the gift of faith. Can you say faith? Faith. Hallelujah. What is the gift of faith? Let me just start by teaching what is faith, and it will help you understand the gift of faith. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. Digging into what is faith, again, we have three messages that we've actually done recently on what is faith, how do I get faith, how do I use my faith. All of those are available for you on the back table. But for this teaching, I do want to go over just a few things. What is faith? The Bible gives us a definition in Hebrews 1.11. In the New King James, Hebrews 1.11. I just love it. We don't have to figure out or guess what it is. God told us exactly what faith is. It says, now faith is The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is. What is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'll break that down just a little bit for you. Number one, say now. Now. One thing that you need to understand about faith, now faith is. Now faith is. So what does that mean? If it's faith, it's now. If it's not now, then it's not faith. Amen. Don't shout me down. The reason that I'm telling you is the Bible makes a distinction in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. These three things shall remain forever. Faith, hope, say hope, and love. Well, a lot of people think they're in quote-unquote faith, but they're not. They're in hope. What is hope? Hope is future. Faith is now. Faith is for today. If you say, well, I'm believing God's going to heal me. You're not in faith. You're in hope. You're hoping that God's going to heal you. Hope is in the future. Faith is now. Praise God. Let me ask you a question. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did the people receive their miracles by hope or did they receive them by faith? They received them by faith. The woman with the issue of blood received her healing by faith. The paralytic man that was leveled down through the ceiling, he received his healing by what? By faith. What is faith? Now faith this. The woman with the issue of blood put a demand saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know. Say, I know. That I'll be healed. Not I hope that I get healed. Not I'll touch the hem of his garment and maybe a year down the line that healing will manifest in me. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. She knew that it would happen because faith is now. Praise God. Now, say now. So when you pray, you know, the Bible says it's by, in Hebrews 11, by faith we possess all that God has promised us. So when you pray about your prosperity, when you pray about your healing, when you're believing God for something in your life, you better make sure that you're praying in faith and you're not praying in hope. Praise God. I'll tell you why that's so important. Let's finish this little uh, scripture here. Faith is the substance, say substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, let's break a, a few more things down from this little verse here. Not seen. People have this mindset, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But well, you'll never see it then. <laughs> because faith is believing without seeing. That's right. I believe it even though I don't see it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just discouraged because I've been doing this and I haven't seen it. Faith is believing without seeing. I walk by faith and not by sight. I live by what God has said in his word regardless of what I see. That's right. Amen. You may say, well, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united in Christ Jesus. The Bible says you're blessed. Galatians 3, you have the blessing of Abraham. You're blessed. Well, you look at your bank account and say, well, my bank account doesn't look like I'm blessed. Who cares? You walk by faith. God has said that I'm blessed, so therefore I am blessed. I am prosperous. Well, I don't see prosperity in my life. Well, the Bible says that it's yours, that he's given it to you. Not seen. Say not seen. seen. You have to be completely convinced of the things that you do not see before you'll ever see them. You know, if you're experiencing symptoms in your body, you better believe that you're healed before you ever experience that healing. You have to believe it. Why am I healed? Because he took my sicknesses and removed my diseases. According to the scripture, how can I have something that Jesus took away from me? Amen. Amen. You know, it's so, I was thinking about this. Tristan said something in communion today that just really hit me. You know, a lot of people do Preach. The Bible says that Jesus removed our sins. He cast our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. But most people will still preach. Although Jesus removed your sins from you, you'll still always have sin in your life. No, not true. You don't have to sin. I know that's a scary doctrine and it really ruffles feathers. You don't have to sin. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, since he's shown us such marvelous grace, how can we go on sinning? And by the power of the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. If we walk according to the Spirit, the Bible says we'll never sin. If we walk according to the flesh, we'll always sin. But we teach these doctrines that, you know, although Jesus carried away your sin, you'll still always struggle with sin. And that's why people still have the the wacky theologies that go everywhere else. Although he took my sicknesses and removed my diseases, you'll still always live with sickness and disease on the earth. No. No. He took my sin. He took my sickness and my diseases. Although Jesus took my poverty and became poor so that I might become rich, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. No, well, although he took your poverty, you'll still experience poverty on the earth. No, he took it from me. Praise God. So I walk by faith and not by sight. How does this work? Say substance. Faith is the substance. That Greek word literally means the support the groundwork the confidence the substance the reality so i want to break down a few of these words the support the groundwork what does that mean it's the bones if you build a house you have to put frame in the house before you put the sheetrock up and the drywall up faith is the bones you know it says the reality if you really put this in context what it means is faith brings the not the things that are not seen into reality yeah. faith is what your miracle is made of yes. right. i told you all this funny illustration the lord showed me one day that he was showing me how faith worked that faith is the substance of the thing that you hope for so what do you, let me ask you this question what do you hope for what are you hoping for some of you, is it a house you're hoping for? Well, you know, you say, well, I'm not in hope, I'm in faith. But what do, you, what, what do you desire? Let me ask you that question. What do you desire? Faith is the thing that you desire is made of. This jacket, what's it made of? Cotton. Let's say cotton. I don't know what all it's made of. Cotton is what this jacket is, is made of, right? Faith is what the thing you're hoping for is made of. So this illustration the Lord showed me was one day I saw myself praying. And I was praying something that was good according to the word of God. And I saw it go up to the Lord. And he got it and he said, man, this is great. This is a... This, it's my will that you have this. It's in line with my word that you have this. Jesus, my son paid a price for you to have this. I like this prayer. This is great. And then he walked over to this, this box that said substance or material on it. It had material on this box slash substance. And he went to grab the material to bring, to form the thing I was believing for the form, the thing I was hoping for. But when he reached into the box, it was completely empty because there was no faith. And he said, sorry, there's no material there's no substance therefore I cannot materialize the thing that you're hoping for because there's no faith it's not a matter of what's God's will for you God's will is that you prosper Jesus said in John ten ten, the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy but I've came that you may have life and life abundantly people if it's God's will for me to have it I'll have it no that's not true you'll have what you have faith for It's God's will for you to have salvation, right? The Bible says that it's God's will that none should perish but all come to knowledge of the truth. Is that right? Well, then who's going to inherit salvation? Those that release their faith. You're saved by God's grace through faith or saved by faith through grace. Are you with me? Am I confusing anybody? Hopefully not. So basically your faith is what your miracle is made of. You release your faith. It produces your miracle. Give you a great scriptural example to simplify it even more. Romans 4, 8 through 22. It says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Say faith. Faith. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and it brought glory to God. I want you to highlight this in your Bible. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. That is one of the most amazing scriptural examples of faith that I have yet to find. He is fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Faith is very simple. doesn't matter what you see. doesn't matter what you experience. What God said is what I'm fully convinced of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What God said about me, what he said about my future, what he said about my family, what he says in his word, I am fully convinced of it to the point where I don't care what I see. I believe what God has said over what I see. That is faith. God. It says, though his body was as good as dead. In fact, the Bible actually says in Romans chapter four, we're going to get to this in just a moment, that when God told Abraham, you know, he birthed his son, Isaac, that was the fulfillment of God's promise to him to become the father of all nations. He births this promised child and then the Lord has him lay his, his son up on the altar. Well, guess what? God had already given Abraham the word that through this child, Isaac, not a child, this child, the promised child, he would become the father of many nations. So, Abraham so much believed God that he knew what God had already said, that he believed that if I put this kid up on the altar, that even if I kill him, God's just going to raise him from the dead because he's given me a promise about this child, and I am fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. That's right. if, God's, if, I burn, if I make this child a burnt offering and I slaughter him and I burn him to smithereens, out of those ashes God will form his physical body from those ashes and recreate him and breathe life into him, and through this child I'll become the father of many nations. Amen. Why? Because God said it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What if you got that kind of faith about your life? Yes. I will yes. prosper. Yes. I will not die sick. Yes. I will live a long life on the earth according to Psalms 91 and Ephesians chapter 6. Praise God. With long life he shall satisfy thee. It's been given unto man. 120 years the Bible says has given us now i know there's different people of different ages but 120 years you can live that long if you want to live that long in psalms 91 it says with long life he shall satisfy thee well let me tell you some people for some reason they don't want to live 120 years how long do you want to live you say well 90 is good enough for me well set your faith for 90 years then praise god You know, and I'm telling you right now, you don't have to fear. You get on an airplane, you get in a vehicle, you're driving down a highway, the devil starts throwing thoughts in your head that, well, you know, what if this airplane goes down? What if this car crashes? What if you start getting a symptom in your body? What if this turns into some terminal illness and I die at 35 years old? You say that's absolutely impossible because God said in his word with long life, he shall satisfy me. 35 is not long life. Forty's not long life. Fifties not long life. Sixties not long life. The Bible said 120. If you want to set your faith, live to 120. <laughs> Amen. So, that's a simple definition of faith. That'll help you understand what is the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the supernatural ability to believe God without human doubt, unbelief, or reasoning. We'll define this even more. This is so good. Again, remember gift. The Greek word for gift in in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are the gifts of the spirit. That Greek word literally means favor, ability, divine grace apart from merit. What it actually means is the Holy Ghost manifests faith in you that is beyond your human capacity apart from your own merit. Man, I didn't read enough to have faith like this. I didn't know enough. I didn't listen to enough Kenneth Hagin or Kenneth Copeland. It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost where you can believe God. Man, this is good. This is one of my favorite gifts. We're about to get into some more here. Give you some scriptural examples of this. Again, Abraham. Abraham, Romans chapter 4, 18 through 22. We just went over. Abraham believed God. He believed although his body was as good as dead, he was fully convinced God would do whatever he promised him. Abraham believed God once Isaac was birthed that God could raise, bring the dead back to life and create new things out of nothing, the Bible says. Give you some more scriptural example of of this, this faith. And so the reason I wanted to show you Abraham is because all of the gifts of the Spirit, minus tongues and interpretation of tongues... You can see throughout the old covenant and Abraham, the life of Abraham is an example of the gift of faith and operation in the old covenant. And so another example, Jesus, look at Mark 11, 22 through 24. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. We're going to break this verse down into a few parts. But did you know that this verse is actually talking about the gift of faith? You say, how do you know that it's talking about the gift of faith? One line in particular, mountain, say mountain. Jesus said with this type of faith, you could move a mountain. Well, where else is this illustration used? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Paul, if you understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's the gift chapter. It's the chapter that we're diving into right now, reading about the nine gifts of the Spirit. So Paul goes into depth talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And he begins chapter 13 basically saying, man, you could be the most anointed, gifted, prophet, faith." Uh, word of knowledge, giver, what, you know, all these different gifts. But if you have not love, you'll accomplish nothing. And so he begins chapter 13 talking about the gifts operating in full capacity. So I'll show you this here. It says, if I could speak in the languages, if, if you have any other translation, it'll actually say tongues. Say tongues. Oh. Tongues is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. If I could speak in tongues of earth and angels but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift, say the gift yeah. of prophecy. So Paul's talking about the gifts yeah. gift of tongues, yeah. gift of prophecy. If I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, say knowledge. knowledge. What is Paul talking about? The gift, the word of knowledge we went over Wednesday night. If I had such faith, I could move mountains. Wow. There's an insight there, say the gift. So what does the gift of faith do? It allows you to move mountains. Hallelujah. 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 When you have the gift of faith, you can move mountains. Praise God. Go back up to Mark eleven twenty two. So again, in this passage, Jesus is talking about the supernatural manifestation, the gift of faith. You can move mountains. I'll give you another illustration of what is the gift of faith here. So Jesus said in verse 22 of Mark 11, have faith in God. You know, what's interesting is when you read that, that sentence in the Greek, the word in is not in the sentence. It doesn't say have faith in God. It says have faith. Faith is the Greek word pistis, and, and God is the word theos. So instead of saying have faith in God, it just says have faith, have pistis theos. It doesn't have the word in in the Greek. So basically, what does that mean? It would mean have God faith or have the faith of God is how that verse should actually read. Not if you have faith in God, if you have the faith of God. Do you understand what the gift of faith is? It's a supernatural manifestation where the Holy Ghost allows you to function in God like faith. <laughs> what can happen when you start functioning in the faith of God? You can move physical mountains. You could speak to, Jesus said, if you operate in this manifestation, you could speak to a mountain to be moved and it would be uprooted and thrown into the sea. Amen. You may be thinking, what? God has faith? What do you mean the faith of God? Yes, God has faith and God uses faith. Hebrews eleven three, 3. By faith, say faith. faith. We understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Wow, who formed the universe? And apparently he did it by faith. (laughs) And that we, what we did now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So God formed the universe from the unseen, what's not seen, by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Right. You know, this is the, the, the reality. God is not bound by human doubt and unbelief. Nothing. God does not see limitation. Right. You know, God, when he spoke, let there be light. He didn't say it with, you know, his eyes closed and his butt chinks clenched together. And I hope that this happens. He knew what I say, it happens. Jesus spoke to the mulberry tree and he cursed it and then walked away. And in fact, the disciples looked at that tree and didn't see any change in it immediately. But it says the next day when they came to the tree, they saw that it had withered up at the roots. What does that mean? The moment that Jesus spoke that word, that tree was cursed at the roots. Underneath the soil, that tree withered up and died. What I love about Jesus is he didn't run over and check the tree. Okay, did it work? Did it actually happen, what I said? He cursed it and walked away. Why? Because he had full confidence that what I said will happen. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. What I said must happen. This is the faith of God. This is a gift of the Holy Ghost. Man, praise God. Man, it's exciting to me. With the gift of faith, you can receive all things. Say all things. Again, the very bottom part of that passage, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. I tell you, Jesus said, you can pray for anything. anything. Say anything. anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Say, I like that word you, you, while you, apostrophe V E. You know what that is? That's past tense. Not that you will receive it, that you have received it. Why do you have confidence that I received what I prayed for? Well, because I asked in faith, and it's impossible for me to use that name and to believe and not receive the thing that I asked for. You know, Kenneth Hagen told many stories about how he learned how to operate in faith. That one time, his daughter came, and she had a big old growth on her face. And he prayed for, that, for, for the daughter's growth. Let's say It was a Tuesday night at 10 o'clock at night. He prayed for that growth. Well, he prayed for it in Jesus' name. He spoke to it. He cursed it. He did what the Bible said to do, and he walked away. The next day, his daughter got up. Guess what? The growth was still on her face. But he never asked her about it. How, how, let me see your face. Oh, I guess it didn't work. I need to pray again. No, nope. he just thanked God. Thank you, Lord, that at 10 o'clock on Tuesday night, I believe that I received the thing that I prayed for. What I spoke, it's impossible for it to not come to pass. He did that confession for one day, two days, three days. I don't know if it was a week or two weeks went by. But then one morning after believing and passing this test of do you really believe what you say you believe, his daughter woke Woke up, came to the kitchen table, and the growth was completely gone. Not a trace of it left on our face. Hallelujah. 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 I tell you, you can pray for anything. That Greek word, anything, it literally means this. As great as, as far as, however much, however many. (laughs) You can pray. For anything, and not just anything, but as great as, as far as, however much, and however many. Let's tie it together with Mark 9, 23. A man came to Jesus, brought his petition to the Lord, and told Jesus, if you can help me. Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. Say anything. That word anything there in the Greek is the word pas, P-A-S. It means each, every, only, all, the whole, all things, everything. So let's put these two things together. Jesus said you can pray for anything. You can pray for everything. You can pray for all things. And not only can you pray for all things, you can pray and believe for as much of that thing as you desire. Hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> There's no limitation to faith. That's right. I just love that the Lord says, well, you know, you get one token. You had a symptom rise up in your body once. You get that one token you get to use, and then, you, you know, you're good. That's, that's your token for your lifetime. Nope. I can believe God again and 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 again. And again. As much as I have faith for to believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So again, with the gift of faith, you can move mountains. The gift of faith is using God's faith. With the gift of faith, you can receive all things. With the gift of faith, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown actually said the gift of faith, he said it's this it's, it's funny illustration, it's like God takes your head and screws it off, takes your body, dumps it upside down, shakes it, all your doubt, all your unbelief, all your experience, every little negative Nancy that told you that you need to get your head out of the clouds and come back down to planet Earth, God dumps all of that out, and he puts his dynamite, tannerite, nuclear, explosive faith on the inside of you with no doubt, with no unbelief, with no human reasoning whatsoever, screws your head back on and lets you you loose. Imagine, that's, it's just so simple. God said it, I believe it. So I'm going to give you a definition here of the gift of faith. This is a manifestation of the Spirit given in a situation for you to receive whatever may be necessary immediately by using God-like faith. This is a manifestation of the spirit given in a situation for you to receive whatever may be necessary immediately. Say immediately Immediately. by using God like faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I've seen this this gift work a few times in my life. One time uh, I've told you guys the story. We may have some new viewers watching. This was the first notable time I I really remember the gift of faith operating in me was I had got an invitation to preach in Idaho, and, you know, at that time, it was the first invitation to travel outside the state and go preach somewhere, and and so they were saying, you know, you come up, and, and, and we'll take care of things, but we had to basically buy our own waste. We had to get some plane tickets from Lufkin, Texas, up to Spokane, Washington, Well, at that time, I began to look at plane tickets, and I was like, man, these are like $1,000. We didn't have the extra $1,000 to spend on tickets and still eat that week, you know? But I, I was sitting there talking to the Lord about it. I was actually just sitting in my living room, I'll tell you how amazing that it is. Again, this is a manifestation apart from merit. I hadn't been on a 17 day fast. I hadn't been in a corner in the woods, you know, sitting here trying to, all right, I got to force this thing in a manifestation. I was sitting in my living room, I think watching TV or something like that. And all of a sudden it was like the Holy Ghost quickened me. And it was like this, this fire came up on the inside of me. And I got up and I started, whoo! I started running around the house. I ran outside. And, and out of my mouth, I just commanded those plane tickets to come in in the name of Jesus. And as soon as the words left my lips, I just felt a release. It's done. And I was like, well, okay. You know, I walked back inside. About an hour later, it was a Wednesday night service. I came to the church and I had a family member text me and say, hey, check your email. I checked my email, and there was two uh, round-trip plane tickets from Lufkin to, or not from Lufkin, from wherever we flew out of Houston to Spokane, Washington. And they said that I was praying, and the Lord quickened me to buy these plane tickets for you, and I just want to sew them into you. Here you go. Within 30 minutes, I received the thing that I spoke. Praise Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. I know at my daughter Oakland's birth, if you haven't heard that story, the doctors diagnosed my wife with all these diseases and illnesses and told her that she'd never carry the baby she was gonna have to take shots the whole time blood thinner shots if they didn't if she didn't take the medication that they told her that she needed blood clot was going to form in the umbilical cord and the child was going to die in the womb if you understand our backstory before we got this revelation of healing she had miscarriages and different things like that so we came into this situation just believing god we got a revelation of the word of god nope The Bible says that under the blessing there shall be no miscarriages among us. So those miscarriages don't belong to us in Jesus' name. This child will live and she will not die according to the word of the Lord. So we told the doctors, you can take all your suggestions and stick them where the sun don't shine. You'll see that our God will deliver this child to us. And when he does, we'll bring her back to you with a big smile on her face. And you'll realize the child that you said could never live without our help. You'll see her live by the glory of God. So we were in labor and delivery. Uh, She had such a fast birth. I'm not going to get into all of those details. Oakland came out completely white and unresponsive. And in fact, when she came out of the womb uh, and Carissa had delivered her, they didn't even let me cut the umbilical cord or let her hold the child. They immediately started calling for help. We need help. We need help. We need help. People started rushing into the room. They cut the umbilical cord and just completely began to pull her away and start operating on her. And I was standing there in the room, and I'm telling you, it was like a lion came out of me. I began to just walk like this. But it was like a lion, but it wasn't out of fear. It was such an authority. I just felt rise up on the inside of me. And I began to pray in the Spirit. And out of my mouth, I said, I command you to live. And I slapped my hands together in Jesus' name, right there in that room. And I watched as her white body coloring began to fill her heels run up her legs, run up her body, and then when it hit the top of her head, she began to cry and was completely healed. That's a manifestation of the gift of faith. And my wife, she had been diagnosed in the past with a hypothyroid disease. She went to this conference, and I remember this is when we were first getting into the doctrine of faith. It had never been taught to us before. She came back on fire for the Lord, and she came back telling me, You know what? The Lord healed me of my thyroid disease, and she went and got all of her medicine and dumped it down the drain. I'm not telling anybody, you know, what you have to do. I'm just telling what she did and what happened to her. And literally, she went back to the doctor months and months and years and years. They ran blood work. They tested her, and medically, they came back. Her thyroid was healed without that medication. That's a manifestation of the gift of faith. Can I tell you something? In all three of those instances, this gift worked by confession. That's how faith works. You have to speak. Faith, The gift of faith is not you just believing in your head something to be true. You have to speak. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. So if you begin to operate in the gift of faith, it will come in the form of confession out of your mouth. You begin to command things to move. You begin to command things to happen. You begin to command things to break. And what you speak, you'll speak with the faith and the authority of God. And the words that you say will come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, hallelujah, Lord. Let me have the gift of faith in Jesus' name. Praise God. I I got a couple more. They won't be as long as the gift of faith. That gift is just amazing. You guys still okay? I got two more. Is that okay? Praise God. Number two, the power gifts, the gift of healing. Healing, a gift of the Holy Ghost. What is the gift of healing? The gift of healing is a supernatural power to heal all. I want you to say all. That's a very important word in understanding this, to heal all manners of sickness and disease. Again, you can't earn it. You can't just pray enough, and I fasted enough, I did all these things. I'm not telling you not to pray, not to fast, not to have a relationship with the Lord where you do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do. But this is a gift. It means that it's unmerited. It's a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Ghost that operates in correlation with your your specific appointment and calling from the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, you may be asking questions. Well, can every believer operate in these gifts? Yes. We're going to have several sermons, at least one or two, where I'll answer all the questions that you may have about the gifts. But I'm just explaining what they are at this point. So, the gift of healing. It's the supernatural power to heal all manners of sickness and disease. give you some examples of this. Matthew 8, 16 through 17. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Say all. All. How much? All. All the sick. Jesus never made distinction, never made separation. I don't know where we get these wacky, weird theologies that God gave me this sickness. It's my cross to bear. It's my burden to carry. Where are you going to find that in the gospel? Name one person that came to Jesus with a disease. And, and he said, actually, brother, it's God's will for you to carry that. He's going to teach you something through it. Never happened one time. That's the devil lying to you. That's the devil trying to get you to keep something. You know, you know how, how many times I've heard that? My wife went through miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage early on in our marriage. And I saw her broken. I saw her beat down. And I'm going to tell you, before I really got a revelation of the word of God, in my compassion, I had this thought, why don't we just stop? You know, the devil starts telling you, maybe it's God's will for you to adopt. Maybe it's not God's will for you to have your own children. Maybe this is God sovereignly using his hand to point you in the, re- in the, in the direction of adoption. You think God needs to kill six of my children or so to, to point me in the direction of adoption? No. <laughs> He's the author of life. And so when we get this diagnosis, we had to become fully confident and certain, nope, God said that he would bless me. He would multiply my, ho- my, my herds and my flocks. He would bless me with many children. He would remove miscarriages from among me. I know that it's God's will for me to have a child. How? Because the word tells me that it is. And it belongs to me. And therefore, I'm not settling with this idea that maybe we're just supposed to adopt and we're not supposed to have our own children. That's from the devil to get you to settle for less than what the word promises you. Hallelujah. Man, take that same approach to every area of life. He healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. He said he took our sicknesses. He removed our diseases. As a human being, Jesus was operating in the gift of healing. Let's look at another example. Peter, say Peter. As a result of the apostles' works, uh, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits and they were all, say all, all healed. healed, healed. Well, that's cool that Jesus did it. Well, Peter did it as well. And God didn't make distinction between people and their diseases. That's right. All of them were healed. Lepers were healed. Blind were healed. Deaf were healed. Autoimmune disease. It doesn't matter what you have. If, it's, if it classifies as a sickness and disease, there is healing for you. That's right. Look at Apostle Paul. Jesus did it. Peter did it. Paul did it. Acts 28, 7 through 9. Near the shore where they uh, where we landed was an estate belonging to Putin. Publius, the chief official of the island. This is the island of Malta. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with a fever and dysentery. Paul went and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Wow. Then all, say all. All the sick, other sick people on the island came and were healed. All of the sick people. Every one of them. Praise God. I'm so tired of hearing people. I've, I've, I, I feel like sometimes with me, I'm trying to convince people to believe to be healed. Remember we had people come in here, and I'm like, there's a woman. Her son had a disability, and I was like, Jesus will heal your kid. No, he can't do that. There's no, he has ADHD. There's no cure for ADHD. And I'm sitting here like, are you kidding me right now? There's no cure for ADHD. Jesus will heal your children. No, the doctor says that it's, that it, it, it's incurable. Who cares what the doctor says? In fact, on another rabbit uh, trail and Little... Thought here, I've never met so many kids in my life that have ADHD until this present time. And I'm not saying that it's not a real thing and that some people don't have it. But what I am saying is I believe there are genuine cases and the Lord will heal and touch those people. But I've also seen a wicked system at play with that as well. I've known a kid that his parents took him out of school as a young child and put him on on medication that drugged him up because they received benefits from the government because he was quote-unquote labeled disabled. He wanted to function. He wanted to live a normal life. He was being touched by the Lord, but yet medication was being shoved down his throat because they kept receiving those benefits as long as he was on that medication. That's wicked and evil. That's right. Wicked and evil. Yep. Also, nowadays, too, I know some people, again, this ain't everybody, but they're like, man, my three-year-old's just a little bit hyper. Yeah, they're three. They're hyper. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Something must be wrong with them. So let's go to the doctor and put them on medication to tone them down a little bit. Man, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And if you've done it, that's okay. But I'm going to tell you there's not one thing that could classify a sickness and disease that cannot be healed by this gift, this manifestation of the Holy Ghost, the gift of healing. Praise God. Give you some examples. Brother Sam came. He had been blown up in Iraq 17 years ago. Just a few weeks ago, he came to a meeting, got hands laid on him for the first time, or it's happened a few times, but one of the first times in 17 years after hands were laid on him, his body began to pass. He, he came bringing one of these stones the next day to service that was like this large, saying that my body's just pushing these stones out that were in my body that have been in my body for 17 years. That's supernatural. No surgery no surgery required, no doctor required. That's a manifestation of the gift of healing. Praise God. Sister Brooke, she's not here this morning. She came, medical documentation that she's been healed and cured of cancer. Not a trace of it left in her body without treatment. How? Manifestation of the gift of healing. Just this last Wednesday night, Miss Jessica came into our office. She said she was in severe pain. She said, will you pray for her?" She's in the nursery. Me and my wife just simply laid hands on her in a simple command, be healed in Jesus' name. She went home that night. She said all night long, the, the right side of her body was just on fire, and she woke up the next day completely healed, completely, uh, just pain-free from the problems that she had been experiencing. God. These weren't just aches and pains. In the past, these had been serious problems diagnosed to her. You know, Hannah, Brother Tanner has a meeting a couple weeks ago. Ten people came up to be healed. Ten people got healed. Youth kids sitting there taking their glasses off, being healed, able to read things on the wall without eye surgery. What is that? Manifestation of the gift of healing. Praise God. Number three this morning, the last gift under the power gifts, the working of miracles. I think a lot of people actually have a misunderstanding of what this gift is and how it works. I know I definitely did. And so, break this down for you. The working of miracles, there's two words that that we're going to pull apart. The working, say working, Working. and then the miracle, say miracle. Miracle. First, that word miracle in the Greek is the Greek word dunamis. Wow. Wow. I didn't really know that. That's the Greek word dunamis. It means this in the Greek, strength, power, ability, inherit power, Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature, in which a person exerts or puts forth. Say power. Power. Inherit power, strength. A person puts forth, exerts virtue. You know, that woman with the issue of blood, it says that when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, that virtue went out from him. Power surged out from him. That was her faith, but also her faith touched the working of miracles, and power was exerted. Praise God. So that word dunamis, where else do we see that word dunamis? In Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. Say power. That's the Greek word dunamis. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you could actually say, Jesus said, you shall receive the working of miracles when my spirit comes upon you. Same Greek word. Dunamis. Now let's look at that word working. Say working. It's the Greek word that means the word rot. W-R-O-U-G-H-T. If you were here a few... Uh, services ago when we were breaking down the how the Father is in charge of operations. That word operations, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, I believe verse 7. Verse 6, I'm sorry. The Father's in charge of, of operations. Jesus the Lord's in charge of ministrations and the Spirit is the source of the gifts. That word operations is the same word. It's rot. W-R-O-U-G-H-T. It basically means this to be beaten out or shaped by hammering or employed in a specific occupation or field or a machine or system, a specific operation or function, like in regards to a machine or a system. So let me just simplify it. It means this. The working of miracles is power being released to perform a specific task or power directed specifically. Power, virtue being released, exerted to perform a specific task. I'll give you some examples of this. Uh, but first, Finnis Dake, his definition of this is supernatural power. Say power, power. power. To intervene in the ordinary course of nature and to counteract natural laws if necessary. Yep. Where do you see this? Uh, Old Testament examples, you see it in the life of Moses in Exodus 7, 10 through 14. He did many things, but in Exodus 7, 10 through 14, Moses threw his staff down. It became a serpent. It ate the other magician's serpents. He picked it back up. That's a, that was a miracle. That was the working of a miracle. You see Elijah, first Kings 17, went to the widow of Zarephath's house and, and it says that her flour, a famine had come, she had ran out of food, her and her, uh, her son were going to eat one more meal, and they were going to die. Well, Elijah pronounced a prophetic word, and then her flour uh, and her oil never ran dry, and they continued to eat and eat and eat. That was an operation of the working of a miracle. Say, a miracle. Give you some more practical examples here. John chapter 11: the resurrection of Lazarus. Resurrection is the working of miracles. Power being exerted to intervene in natural course. Lazarus had died. The Bible says that it's appointed to each man once to die, then the judgment. Lazarus was dead. What happened? Jesus showed up at Lazarus' tomb and spoke a word and what went forth? Power went forth, quickened his body, and he was resurrected from the grave. That's a miracle. Working of miracles. Jesus turned water into wine, John chapter 2. Paul, here's an illustration of Paul. This is Acts 19, 11 through 12. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. It's really interesting because, again... The reason that these gifts are put into different categories is because they work together. For instance, word of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits work together. They kind of all flow together. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy all kind of flow together. The working of miracles, the gift of faith, and the gift of healing kind of all work together and they intertwine with one another. I'm going to give you this last little bit here and then we're going to close the service. Casting out demons is considered an operation of the working of miracles. She you say, have I ever seen anybody that operates in the working of miracles? Have you ever seen someone cast out a demon? If you have, then that was a manifestation of the operation of the working of miracles. I'll show you where that's from in Mark 9, 38-39. Uh, John said to Jesus, teacher... We saw someone using your name to cast out demons. But we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle. Wow. What was he talking about? Casting out demons. So casting out devils is under the category of the working of miracles. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. So how is that, the working of miracles? Well, you're exerting power and driving the devil, a spirit, out of another person. That's right. That's right. Matthew twelve twenty seven through 29, it says this. And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you've said. But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful? Say powerful. Powerful. Whereas that word power, it's dunamis. Enough to enter the house of a strong man and to plunder his goods. Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. That's why it's under the, the category of the working of a miracle. It's because when you exert that power, it goes into the person that it's, that it's directed towards and it binds up that strong man and then the spoils are carried away. Amen. Amen. And it, it, it casts that spirit out of that person. Yes. Amen. hallelujah. Virtue goes out into a person and drives the spirit out. You know, we've had several examples with this. We've had a guy come in one time totally full of multiple, multiple demons speaking in multiple voices And that's the thing about it is that, you know, sometimes people have more than one spirit. He came up to the front, we were praying for him. He was manifesting, he was speaking in three or four different voices, and he was just so bound. And we would speak and he would get free. And every time that we would that we would pray, like it was like a devil would come out and he would get more free and more free. You begin to see when he came in looking like he was ready to, to shoot somebody after A couple of minutes of just praying and casting out those spirits, he began to get soft. His eyes began to water. He began to listen, to receive, to be able to communicate sentences. Uh, And then it finally got to a point where we were, we were praying and then nothing was happening. And the Lord had me stop and ask him, do you want all of these demons gone? And he actually told me, he said, no, I don't. Some of them, he said, help me. Some of them are my guardian angels. Some of them help me. And he said, I refuse to let some of them go. And at that point, I literally turned to the guy and I said, okay, well, let me tell you something. When you decide that you want to be free, you come back here. And with a simple command, you'll be completely set free. But until you're ready to let them go, there's nothing else I can do for you. Amen. Amen. You You can't cast out a devil that somebody wants to keep. Praise the Lord. Those are the gifts, the power gifts of the Holy Ghost. If you will stand to your feet this morning.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign, capital N-B-C-H-T-X-20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.